This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, all made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. Good day, everyone. I decided to go ahead and make this account to tell this story. I don't know if I actually avoided something sinister for a fact, but I'd rather play it all safe and say that I did. I'm 29 years old and female, and while I'm well-traveled and have been around quite a bit, I do occasionally make some pretty rookie mistakes. My fault, and I make no excuses. I try to remain diligent and alert, but I'm very capable of letting my guard down. So after being here in the US for about two months, I decided that I was bored sitting around my apartment all day watching 90 Day Fiancé. So I made the decision to make the old dating profiles again. I made no specific intentions known about what I was interested in accomplishing, as I don't really know myself. I just wanted someone to hang out with, and to see where it went naturally. I ended up matching up with this one bloke who had shared interests with me. We chatted a bit over the app, and eventually I felt okay to give him my number. After talking back and forth for a couple of weeks, I agreed to a meetup. We met at a pub, and had a couple of drinks. I'll admit at first I didn't recognize him because he didn't really resemble his photos to the extent that I was expecting. He didn't look bad by any means, but I could tell that he used older pictures and edited them, enough to where he seemed more appealing. I swear I'm not trying to sound superficial, because he was cute, just not what I was expecting. But I also think we've hit a point in social media culture where it's safe to assume that we won't see the same thing in real life as we do online. And that's okay for the most part. We did hit it off, however. We discussed the usual first date stuff, then we got into more detail. I told him about back home and work, and how life was different than here in the States. At one point, we were talking and holding hands, and I felt comfortable enough to let him kiss me. Well, he asked me as we were leaving if I wanted to go back to his place for a cup of coffee. I told him I knew what coffee really meant, and that I didn't want to do that on a first date. He assured me it would be one cup of coffee and that he would give me a lift home so that I didn't have to call an Uber. I accepted this offer, and we walked to his apartment, which was only a few blocks away. As we were heading upstairs, he made a few questionable remarks. He mentioned how I wasn't like most girls, because I accepted his invitation, and alluded that, you never know, I could be a psychopath. He then motioned with his eyes down to my dress, 
and inquired about my breast size. I told him again that I was sorry, but the night wasn't going to end up with him getting lucky. As we got into his unit, he dismissed himself to the toilet and left me sitting on his bed. It was a studio, and he didn't have a couch, just FYI. As I'm sitting there and waiting for him to finish doing whatever he was actually doing, I noticed from the corner of my eye that beside his bed, he had two masks. One was a cartoon-looking goat mask, and another was a cat, maybe a tiger. What was more alarming was that he also had a bowie knife and a small woodcutter's axe only a short distance away from them. Upon further observation, I also noticed that there was a black jumper draped over a dresser, and then on his bedside table, there were clear as day a pair of latex gloves. Okay, I don't feel much like being murdered tonight, so I got up, calmly left the unit. Then I made haste down the stairs and down the street, where I was able to catch a lift with no problem. Now look, I may have just really hurt his feelings because he may have had no malicious intent, but if that's all that happened, then I'd prefer that over the possible alternative. All of these items wouldn't have been that bad on their own, but all of these random items within a short distance from one another, I'd rather just not chance it. I do feel bad for leaving a person, but I don't feel bad about leaving what could have potentially been a dangerous situation. That, along with his seemingly random personality change as we were heading upstairs, was enough for me to make the call that I made. As of recently, I noticed that he either blocked me from Tinder or deleted the app altogether. And to be honest, I'm totally good with that. I had no intention of having further interactions with the guy, but I do find it a little odd that I may have been the one that got blocked and not the other way around. Now, this may not be up there with the most creepy stories found on this forum, and I'm okay with that too. I wasn't down to stick around for 10 more minutes just to find out how weird things could have gotten simply to impress people on the internet. I do want to offer one point of advice. Be careful with your swipings, everybody. You never know who you're going to match with. I grew up in a small town, total population, maybe 2,000. Everyone knew everyone else, or at least knew your family members. We all felt that it was a safe town, with mostly middle-class working families. Nothing major ever happened, and the crime rates were pretty low. I grew up feeling safe and secure, and just for note, I grew up in the 90s. One summer day, my good friend Jenny and I were out for a bike ride. We were no more than 11 or 12 years old at the time. We were allowed to bike anywhere we wanted, as long as we didn't leave our town and wore our helmets. There was a new road being constructed in between the two main neighborhoods of our town. The new road was to provide a shorter way of accessing the main road to get to the next town over. At the time, the road was still under construction, but it was nearly complete. All that was left was paving and painting. Jenny and I decided to bike down that gravel road. Jenny and I were about halfway down the road. The road was maybe a kilometer long. At the halfway point, we noticed a man walking. He was in his early 30s and very handsome from what I can remember. I didn't recognize him, and Jenny didn't either. As we got closer, he broke out a big smile and said hello. We said hello back as he didn't seem threatening or scary. He asked us if we were having a good summer, and we said yes. He told Jenny and I that he was a photographer from a nearby city, 
and was in town to scout out models for his new postcard company. He said Jenny and I had beautiful features. He said everything in a very flattering way that made us feel special, and he said that we could be models. He asked us if he could take our pictures. He said that we had the look that he wanted, and the scenery right now is perfect to promote the town. He said he knows he will sell tons of postcards, and we could all make some money. Jenny and I eagerly agreed. He got us to stand with our hands on our hips and smile big. He took a disposable camera out of his back pocket and began snapping away photos. He took maybe 10 photos in total, from all sorts of angles. I remember feeling a little uneasy and said that we should probably go because we needed to get home soon. He said he would get in touch with our principal on the first day of school to make sure that we got our share of the proceeds from the postcard sales. We foolishly confirmed that we went to the local elementary school, though it was the only elementary school in town, so it wouldn't have been that hard to figure out. Neither Jenny or I remember to this day giving him our names. This is an important detail for later. Jenny and I talked about becoming famous on the way home. I told Jenny that I wondered why he didn't have a professional camera. She said she wondered that too, but we agreed cameras were expensive, so maybe he didn't have a nice one with him in case it rained. That evening at supper, I told my parents about the potential of my new fame. They were horrified and got on the phone with Jenny's parents right away. The two sets of parents called police and gave statements. Police sort of downplayed it and said it was unusual, but nothing criminal had happened. My parents had a long talk to me about safety, as did Jenny's parents with her. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Following spring... Jenny and I were hanging out together, this time a little older and a little wiser and a lot more cautious. We were walking along a quiet side street, just talking about music and TV shows, when a minivan approached us and slowed down. A friendly-looking woman popped her head out the window and asked us if we knew where Smith's Road was. We told her that she just needed to stay straight for less than a minute, and it'd be the first right-hand turn. She said she was having difficulty finding it, and would we mind hopping in and showing her personally? I instantly said no. After a little prompting, Jenny also declined. Then the woman said it was okay, because she knows who we are. She called us both by first name, and said she saw us on a postcard. By now, we were both absolutely freaked out. We were on a stretch of the road that had no houses. The nearest one was maybe a hundred meters away. And it wasn't common for people to have cell phones back then, so neither Jenny or I had one. The woman continued to ask us to get into her minivan. Jenny, who was normally super chatty, was staring into the vehicle intensely. Her body language was stiff, and I could tell that she was frightened. Suddenly, and seemingly out of nowhere, Jenny screamed, Run! I didn't know what was happening, but I ran with Jenny stride for stride. We ran off the road and through a field and into a yard another street over. I recognized the yard and house as belonging to a school teacher of ours. We pounded on her door and she answered right away. 
We told her what had happened. And then Jenny said something that I will never forget. She said she saw the photographer man from last summer crouching down in the very back row of seats. She said she knew that something bad was going to happen if we got in that minivan. Both police and our parents were called. We gave statements and a vehicle description, as well as descriptions of the man and the woman. Unfortunately, the police were never able to locate them. Jenny and I never saw them again. We had some serious trust issues with strangers after those encounters, and I even had nightmares of being kidnapped into early adulthood. Always make sure to teach your children that strangers are not safe, no matter how nice they might be. My situation could have had a much more unfortunate outcome if things had gone even slightly differently. Those are two people I sincerely hope to never meet again. This past Monday, my coworkers and I returned to our hotel from a day of work out in the field. Rebecca and I walked to our rooms, and as we stood outside of the doors, I opened mine up and saw someone in the bathroom. I said, hello? Nobody answered. My first instinct was that it was a cleaning lady in there for some reason. But then I saw my bag with my clothes in her hands. I said to my coworker, there's a woman in my room. Then I asked the woman, what are you doing with my stuff? It gets a little hazy here because I can't remember everything I said and what she said, but she kept mumbling about how her key still worked, how it still worked, and that's how she got in. I was in shock, and she was obviously very flustered having been caught mid-robbery. She dropped my bags and fumbled around with her purse and a white plastic bag. By this time, my coworker was behind me watching all of this insanity unfold. This woman was scrambling and walking towards the door, and I said, what's in the bag? Thinking it's probably some of my stuff. And so she said, no, no, it's just my things, just my things, I'll show you. And so she did. I looked through the bag and didn't see anything of mine, and since I'm obviously in shock at this time, I just let her leave. I went into my room, and it's clear that it had been ransacked. I did a quick look around to see if anything had been taken. All of my electronics were still there. Then I went into the bathroom and I saw my underwear, my bikini, and my clothes shoved into my own bags at random. Even my passport was shoved in there. Then I look on the counter and I see that she got into my medication. I'm not sure what was going through my head at that moment other than I wanted it back. So I ran out the door to go find her. I ran to the laundry room downstairs and out to the sides of the hotel and didn't see her. I realized then that I was never going to find her. So my coworker and I went down to the lobby to tell them what happened, and then we called the police. We went back up to my room to wait, and that's when I noticed that there's a metal bat on my bed, a little larger than one of those souvenir wooden bats that you get at a baseball game, but there's also a flashlight on the end. She must have left it behind in her hurry. She also left behind a necklace that must have fallen out of her bag when she was scrambling with mine. I was mostly freaking out at this point because I thought she'd gotten away with my medication that I needed. The police got there and took our statements and looked around the room as well. One thing that I noticed was that there were bits of drywall in the sink, and I pointed that out to the cops, but none of us really knew where it came from. We started looking at the door and the windows to see if she pried her way in somehow, but there was nothing. 
So we kind of just went with the idea that she'd had a spare key or something, even though the hotel front desk was adamant that there's no way that could be. The officer that came brought two more officers as backup because they thought the woman might still be in the vicinity. But after our statements were taken, there was nothing else that they could really do, so they left. I sat down to finally make some calls to tell people, and as I'm on the phone, I'm thinking more and more about the drywall in the sink, and it still didn't make any sense to me. So I'm on the phone and looking at the drywall and the mirror on the wall right above it, and that's when it hit me. I got my coworker and asked her to help me pull at this mirror on the wall. And when we took the mirror down, plain as day, there's a hole that's just big enough for a desperate junkie to squeeze through. I asked Rebecca if I should call the cops again to let them know that I found this. And that's when she says, there's still two cop cars in the parking lot. So I ran down there to tell them and the female cop kind of rolled her eyes at me. But the young guy said, I'll come check it out. They both came back up, looked in the hole, and found a pillow, blankets, cigarettes, clothes, toothbrushes. This woman had been living in the wall behind my mirror for God knows how long. She had access to me and my room at all times. I know it might be hard to picture, but there was a crawl space about two feet wide in between the two rows of rooms. One of the officers called the original officer to come back and take pictures of this. She explained to him what was going on, and all I hear over the radio is, No f***ing way. He comes back, takes pictures, and is just as mind blown as the rest of us. Obviously, we packed up and left immediately. What's even crazier is she has probably been there for a long time. The last time we stayed at this hotel, I would randomly smell cigarette smoke and I had just assumed that someone was smoking in their bathroom and it was traveling through the vents. But now, I think that's a big nope. There was actually just a junkie smoking on the other side of my mirror. She had access to other rooms too. The holes in the walls were from a renovation and the hotel hadn't properly patched. They had just covered up the holes in the walls with mirrors. She could have been hanging out in people's rooms when they were gone. There's really no resolution to this story. This woman got away, and we never heard anything from the cops suggesting otherwise. Whenever I travel to the city for work, I petition my bosses to not put us up at this hotel. And whenever I am in a hotel, upon check-in I scour my room for any holes or crevices that could conceal a shady individual. So while I have no closure to this tale at hand, I do have more baggage to bring with me on any subsequent trip I take. Thanks, lady.